0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game.
1: 1037
0: Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: It is a spooky tuxedo Tuesday here on Crunch Time. Matt met Miguez, James Mesh. You're listening to the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. James, happy Tuesday to you, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. I feel like you're doing a lot better. Yeah, you know, it was it, it was a hectic morning, to, uh, to to say the least. But everything's under control now. We're all good.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, when it comes down to it, you got your first win in fantasy. I did get
1: my first win in fantasy. Thank you. Thank you. Only took Thank seven you. weeks. Hey, you know what? Late bloomers, am I right? It's, don't call it a comeback. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> when I finish 8-6, and six, don't call it a comeback. Okay. Um, I'll make note of that. But look, man, if I have one bad league out of four, am I really am I really doing that bad? Like, if you look at it, I might be 1-6 in the crunch time league but i'm 4 and 3 in one league. Uh-huh. I'm 5 and 2 in another league. Uh-huh. And then I'm 7 and 0 oh in one of my leagues. Uh-huh. The one I'm with you in. Yeah. 7 and 0. Oh. And my defense there, there's just an aura about me, James. Uh, Cuz i mean the you've
3: points, only given up like the pipe my against. team has
1: allowed it's just uncanny. It's uncanny. Nobody scores against me.
2: I think everyone's just—they just so underestimate you that they're like, "We just don't feel like starting anybody in our lineups."
1: I mean, hey, that you know, it, 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 No it, one's
2: no one's scored one ten on you yet.
1: It can be that way sometimes.
2: F- five out of the seven times they've scored under a hundred.
1: I, I have. I that mean, h- your luck your luck's gonna run out at some point. I have that effect on people. Oh yeah, you just make people worse. Huh? Probably. Probably. On today's edition of Crunch Time, we're going to talk the Houston Astros. as They prepare for Game 1 of the World Series this Friday night. We're going to talk some high school football, Saints, LSU, Cajuns, the Pelicans. we got a lot to get into. Uh, The game hotline is wide open for the first hour of the show, 337-706-0111. Here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We'll start with a headline relating to the LSU women's basketball program. Five star center Alea Del Rosario has committed to the Tigers. She is the number seven rated player in the country in women's high school basketball. Uh, she is a six foot six center. Out of New York City, James. Anytime you get somebody that's six foot six in women's college basketball,
2: I feel like you, you feel pretty helps. good about yourself. It helps.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just it, it it just it helps um, because
2: because the average height for women's basketball is like, got to be
1: six uh, one.
2: I would have said less. I would have said, I think like the average feels like it's
1: the average is probably less than that. I yeah. feel
2: I think it's like what 5'10,
1: 5'11? Average height in women's college basketball. Yeah. Yeah, you would probably say 5'6. Oh, it's 5'6. Oh, okay. So you're a foot taller than the average. Yeah. It's like it's like getting yeah. A, it's like getting a bowl bowl. That is a uh, that that is a height advantage is is, is what they call that. Um, so that's obviously great news for Kim Mulkey and her staff as they prepare for a run at a Final Four appearance and potentially a national championship. Breaking news out of the NFL. Chiefs defensive end Frank Clark has been suspended two games by the NFL for violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy, stemming from him pleading no contest to a pair of misdemeanor charges for a June 2021 incident for possession of a concealed firearm. So Frank Clark for the Chiefs suspended two games. So there's another storyline going around right now that I, I think we need to get to and it refers to the New Orleans pelicans there are odds makers throwing around numbers on Russell Wilson Russell Westbrook getting traded and where he is most likely to land and this particular graphic that I that I'm looking at has the Indiana Pacers in the lead at three to two Charlotte Hornets at two to one Spurs at three to one the jazz are at six to one the Phoenix Suns are at 10 to one the Brooklyn Nets are at 12 to one James are you are you a little curious about who I might have skipped over
2: yeah I am a little bit
1: it is the New Orleans Pelicans <gasps> Wow ah oh, I know at eight to one.
2: I don't know. For me, I just, at this point, at his age, the fact that you know what he is at this point, I remember seeing some videos where they're like, these are the videos that you're not seeing from the media talking about Russell Westbrook because it's like, they'll only show like the airball three, but they don't show him saving the possession twice for Los Angeles to like keep them alive and like potentially get a A basket in in that possession but it's like at the same time he can do all that but then you still have to deal with all the baggage of him not being able to be an off ball guard or being able to do anything off ball he literally needs the ball in his hand to almost be like he's doing something offensively if he's not trying to get an offensive rebound which that's what he did he he practically got two offensive rebounds but I mean he, he just tipped it to his teammates to give them a chance but it's like other than that He needs the ball in his hand to potentially make a play. Yeah. Like that, I don't know who would want him, because at that point, you're dealing with a big contract. You're dealing with a player who is past his prime, who is on the decline, who's a little older. And you're dealing with somebody who absolutely, positively needs the ball in his hand to be consistently someone who is a threat on the offense. To me, that's not somebody that you would want.
4: No,
1: I, I don't. I I don't want Russell Westbrook at all. Um, I mean, that's just a, a terrible existence for the Pelicans if, if they acquired Russell Westbrook. I mean, he makes everyone around him.
2: Like, could you use another guard if you're the Pel's?
1: Yeah, not him.
2: You could use another one. I just wouldn't want him. Yeah, I, I not just, him. I to me he. He was okay the last few years. Last year, it looked really bad. and then. But at this point, we already know what he is. It's, it's pretty much that old saying of, you can't teach a dog new tricks. You can't teach him to be an off-ball guard because he just refuses to be one. He refuses to take that role. Yep. And the unwillingness to learn and like evolve his game and like change it up. Because that's what you see from some people. That's what you see from some players where it's like they're super athletic. But as you get older... You're not, You don't have as much bounce in your legs to be able to jump as high and like create those crazy dunks. So then you almost you have to conform yourself if you want to stay in the league and stay someone that's viable and start to shoot more. No. And Russ, he's never been able to fix that shot. He's still he he's okay with the passing, but shooting has never been good. The rebounding is okay, but I mean, like I said, as you get older, your athleticism declines. So the fact that you don't change your game to be more team-friendly consistently enough to be a good aspect of your team and help them win, I don't want it. Plus, plus you got to pay them all that money.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Transition now to Monday Night Football, Uh, Chicago Bears. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Where did that come from? That was impressive, is what it was. Justin Fields? Cool, he looked like he was back in Georgia he look or ohio state either one he was good at both of them he looked like he was back in college throwing dimes because good god almighty the patriots defense laid an egg and thank you for that by the way that's how i won fantasy um dude I, i'm gonna say it i feel bad for mac jones Now, I'm not going to sit here and say Mac Jones is some world beater quarterback because I don't believe that. However, he is a guy that you gave the reins to last year, and he played pretty well for you. Again, didn't light the world on fire, but played well. The fan base liked him. He did some good things, blah, blah, blah. He did good things with no weapons. Let's let's add that in there as well. This year, plays a couple games, does okay. Gets hurt. Misses, what was it, three weeks? Four weeks? Something like that. Comes back last night. Plays two drives, maybe. Maybe three at the most. Goes three for six for a handful of yards and an interception. And... The Patriots fans booed him out of the arena. They booed him to the bench for Bailey Zappi. Now, Bailey Zappi time was, you know, great and fun and good headlines and whatever. At the end of the day, Mac Jones is still the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. Drafted the kid in the top 10. 15, sorry. However... He, he's still he's still a first-round quarterback. That's your guy. That is a guy that you take as a franchise centerpiece and build around him. Bailey Zappi was drafted as, well, that guy could be a pretty good backup. A, a guy who played well for you last year The locker room appreciates he's a leader on the team already and you bench him for a rookie because he was knocking the rust off and didn't play very well? You gotta be kidding me. It's bad enough that you look at the Patriots roster and they have nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. You got Mac Jones. You've got a good young running back in Ramondre Stevenson. And then you got a bunch of washed up receivers in guys like Devontae Parker and Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry and Nelson Aguilar and, and, and a few others. There's no there's nobody on this roster that really you know, you look at and go, "Wow, they're good. Like they're real. Like they're a franchise centerpiece." Nobody, name me one. Devon Godshaw, maybe, on the defensive line. You've got Mac Jones. You've got Matthew Judon, who's who's, you know, I've always been a fan of, but he's thirty. He's on the back end of his career at, at the D line spot. You've got Jabril Peppers, who you know hasn't really panned out in the NFL like they thought he would. Uh, Matthew Slater has been a, a franchise centerpiece for, for this team, but he's 37 years old and nothing but a special teamer. I mean, please, James, feel free to interrupt me if you, if you think that there's somebody on this roster that really just jumps off the page at you.
2: I think Kyle Duggar is going to be somebody that you'll see as a long-time safety for him. That'll be, I wouldn't say he's going to be like an all pro guy, but I think, I think he'll be really good for them. Okay, and I, I so think he's somebody that would stay with them for a while. I, I do agree with you, but it, that's been the whole Patriot way though, is they just get guys on the cheap guys that can contribute. Nobody. That's a huge name to so where you have to spend a lot of money. On
1: and them. And that's very fair. However, you had a guy like Tom Brady that made everybody around him better. Yep. You don't have that anymore. You're going to have to change your way of doing things. And obviously Bill Belichick's not going to do that. He's 70-something years old, and he's one foot out the door. But you have to find a way. You're going to have to rebuild in New England. A lot of teams are going to have to rebuild. Carolina's going to have to rebuild. New England's going to have to rebuild. Hell, Tampa Bay might have to rebuild. New Orleans should rebuild. We don't know that they're going to, though. You you can't you can't continue the the Patriots way and say oh you know we might strike on another Tom Brady we might we could maybe if ifs and buts were candy and nuts we'd all have a merry Christmas it's not how it goes let's go to the hotline Martin what's up.
5: Hey buddy, I heard you on the uh, subject of the New England Patriots, and it just brought to mind uh, with the way that division is uh, kind of caught up to him. How many more years you give Bill Belichick before he hangs him up?
1: I mean, if this if this year doesn't get any better, I think he might walk away.
5: Yeah, uh, that's what I'm thinking. You know, I mean, the Jets are getting better. Which after the drive, the the drive that Philadelphia and the Jets had. I knew they were going to be a lot better. They had a and uh, and also the New York Giants, and and that's two teams in my division. But uh, yeah, I, I knew that the Jets. I mean, you can't be bad forever, you know. I mean, I'm
1: impressed with right, how quickly the Jets have come along.
5: Right. right. I knew I knew you they know, would be uh, good,
1: but I didn't realize it would happen this quickly.
5: Right. Now let me ask you a question. Another question come to mind. Who retired
1: first, Nick Saban or Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks for uh, taking my call, buddy. Appreciate you, Martin. Bill, Bill Belichick. Nick Saban. I mean, does Nick Saban have anything else to prove? Absolutely not. But at the same time, his job right now is at a point where, you know, he's kind of just going with the flow and reloading, doing Alabama. If he wins another natty, then, you know, fantastic. He wins another natty. But Nick Saban is not under, and and let let me preface this by saying that being a head football coach in college football, especially in the SEC, is an incredibly stressful job. However, if you look at the grand scheme of things, I think Nick Saban's under less stress than Bill Belichick is right now. I mean Bill Belichick the Patriots suck. They suck. I mean they're just they're they're not good. Their roster's bad, their coaching staff is bad. I mean god the two the two offensive minds under Bill Belichick right now are both horribly failed head coaches. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Horribly failed head coaches
2: and I worried about how the team would function even though they, because they didn't announce coordinators. Right. I was like, we're not, we're not going to announce an offensive coordinator. I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, so who's making the play calls? <laughs> and then, and, and they were, it was, they went with Matt Patricia. Right. Who is the defensive guy. Right. Uh,
1: that that's what confused and, me the and, most. And here's here's another thing that stands out to me. You notice that they don't have a defensive coordinator. They don't have one. But you know who is you know who two of the people on his defensive staff are. His two sons, Steve and Brian. Um, word of advice. I don't know if anybody told Bill Belichick this. It's usually not great to work with family. That usually doesn't work out very well. I.e. Texas State with the Spavadol brothers. That worked out real well, huh? Thanksgiving that year was awkward. After he fired his brother. Because their defense was near the bottom in the country. With him as defensive coordinator. Yeah, that was weird. You don't have a defensive coordinator... Your staff is full of your sons and former players and failed head coaches. I mean, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, Vinny Sinceri is your running backs coach. Um, then you go to the defensive staff, your linebackers coaches, Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo. Your staff is full of your sons and former players. It's kinda of, it's kinda
2: of like the same thing with the Saints. It's just- a lot of familiarity, like, baby.
1: It's a family tradition, baby.
2: Give me a break. The pay- Robert, Robert Kraft. Because uh, because Ster- Sterling Moore, he, I mean he, I mean we all know Sterling Moore played quite a few years with the Saints at corner. He's yeah. one he's one of the defensive assistants. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's working out real well. And then Zach Streep's helping with the O line. I mean, that's okay.
1: And then, but, I believe there's someone else. Yeah, there, there probably is. But, the, the uh, again, so Robert Kraft is starting to feel like, to me, he, he's making a run at Jerry Jones for the worst owner in the NFL, not named Dan Snyder. <laughs> um, Poor Jarrah. God, poor Jarrah. We'll take a timeout. When we return, we're going to have Audio from the New Orleans Saints, and we'll hear from stud linebacker Demario Davis. We'll do that next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, near home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's time to cook up some gumbo for a very good cause. The Realtor Association of Acadiana is hosting its annual gumbo cook-off at Park International tomorrow, Wednesday, October 26th from 5 to 7 p.m. The family-friendly event features a Halloween costume contest, music by the Rue Crew, and of course, great gumbo from 26 teams of area realtors who are competing to earn the title of Best Gumbo. Tickets cost $10 and can be purchased with cash only at the event. All proceeds benefit three local charities and Maddie's Footprints, Habitat for Humanity, and Lane's Legacy. So come out, eat some gumbo, help out local charities, and have Halloween fun with the Realtor Association of Acadiana's annual gumbo cook-off tomorrow evening. Mamie guys, James Mesh, 27 after the hour. Dennis Allen, James Hurst, and Demario Davis spoke with the media, and we will start with Dennis Allen, who said this team can still turn it around.
3: Well, look, you know, I told the team today. We, we, I, I, I've been in this position before. We were in this same position, I believe, it was back in 2011 with Denver, and and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, our our record was two and five at the time, and. Um, We ended up reeling off six wins in a row and got a record eight and five, ended up making the playoffs and winning the playoff game. So, um, you know, I think the 49ers were in a similar situation last year. They played in the NFC Championship game. So I know it can be done. Um, You know, it it really just gets to us, um, you know, playing good football and playing complementary football on both sides of the ball.
1: He also spoke about his former team and their opponent this weekend in the Las Vegas Raiders.
3: I think offensively they've got some some really good weapons. I think they run the ball uh, exceptionally well. Um, they've got a really good quarterback. Got a couple of weapons to throw the ball to, So I think they do a good job. You know, offensively, defensively, I think they play extremely hard. I think they've got some some guys up front that can get after the passer. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I see a I see a good football team uh, when we get ready to play those guys.
1: James, how are you feeling uh, about the Saints heading into Sunday's game with the Raiders?
2: I don't feel great. <laughs> I feel like this is a winnable game, but at the same time, I mean, this was one of the teams that I was really high on to start the season, and they've been utterly disappointing just like the Saints. So I think it's a little too early for me to make any kind of prediction.
1: Should we, should we check in on our NFL bracket? that we made before the season started and see you know where we're at. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, we we might have to figure we might have to find that and and, and see how accurate we were before the season cuz I'm pretty sure I had the Packers going like 13 and 4.
2: I mean, I was I was there too. I thought even though they were wide receiver, they could almost do like what the Chiefs are doing where it's just like you have a rotation of receivers.
1: And they would have to win 10 straight games to get there. They would have to run the table the rest of the way to get there.
2: It sucks because Aaron Rodgers has not hit us with the RELAX. Because he's not RELAXed. He is when he's on that Hahuasca.
1: Oh my God. James Hurst, put it very simply, the team has to stop turning the ball over.
3: Everybody understands how bad turnovers are. I think that's pretty obvious. But I think um, in our situation, you know, if you look at the production and where that is, and then look at our record, you know, speaking for the offense, it just really shows how bad those turnovers have been, how timely they've been. Obviously, defensive touchdowns are kind of, you know, another level of a bad uh, situation. So we we know we have to correct them. And we also feel confident in our abilities um, to move the ball and score points. But at the same time we know that none of that matters if we're turning the ball over. And none of that matters if, you know, they're scoring fourteen points on our offense, if you will. So uh we know we gotta get that fixed. That's obviously um right in our view. Um it's in our plan. It's it's something that has to change.
1: Look, I don't wanna sound like a jerk here, but everyone knows how bad turnovers are. Like, yeah. We, fo- we, we we do.
2: I found my uh I forgot that my final one that I had done, it was a lot different than like any of the others.
1: Oh wait, you found yours?
2: Yeah, I found mine. Like when whenever you when you still are on the website, it just saves it unless you until you hit. I don't, like I don't even remember
1: the name of the website.
2: Uh, just type in like NFL playoff predictor.
1: Um, Demario Davis also spoke with the media, and he. You know according to to social media he, he took Saints fans to church yesterday oh dude, it was uh he he went on like a five minute lecture about the the problems and how they should fix them and how he wants to fix them and blah blah blah
2: He got to ask like a super generic question and he, and then he just started
6: spewing out everything. Hey, I love it
1: he he says a turnover a, a turnaround will happen
6: We know that a turnaround has to happen. We believe a turnaround is going to happen. And that turnaround begins and ends with us. And the way that we go about getting there is in our work. And that's what we're committed to. There's not the thing I'm excited is there's not a there's not a harder working group or um a more to determined group that's locked in on on figuring out and doing everything that needs to be done to get this thing turned around that begins with our coaches our coaches are going to thumb through and figure out what is the best way to put us in the best position for our players to be successful that's what they've always done they've always found a way to get the best out of us and when we when we turn on the tape one of our big sayings here is not what we play it's how we play and they've always found a way to put us in a situation where we're playing violent and fast and physical.
1: Mayor Davis also said, again, plain and simple, they are not where they want to be.
6: We're not where we want to be right now. At this point in the season, like this wasn't where any of us expected to be, right? And a lot of that is due, due to us not playing at the standard that we have. It's adversity because of that. It's adversity because, you know, it's unexpected and it's unexpected because our standard for excellence is so high and adversity creates opportunity, you know, and so though none of us want to be in this situation, there's only one mindset that's going to change it and it's taking advantage of every opportunity. And the reason why that is exciting is because all this happened, we're still only one game out in our division. And... It's also exciting because we understand what's going on. We understand that we've been our own worst enemy in a lot of ways.
1: Staying on the topic of the NFL, James, the trade deadline's coming up. I've, you know, there's there's some targets that a lot of teams are looking at, and I'm just kind of curious, you know, where you think some of these guys will go. Uh, let's start with Kareem Hunt. Do you think he stays in Cleveland or do you think he winds up somewhere else? Oh,
2: I'd love for him to go somewhere else. Where would you like for him to go?
1: Who who do you think needs him the most?
2: Looking at teams, the Jets just traded for James Robinson. Uh I'm quickly trying to
1: look through each team. What about the Bills?
2: Yeah, but here's the thing. You you would want to usually just, you want to send them off to an NFC team or a team of the opposite conference. And if that's the case, ooh. I mean, if the Eagles want to go all in, all in, and just be like, well, we don't care about Kenneth Gainwell or Miles Sanders, go get Kareem. That'd be interesting because we already, think, we already believe that they're going to go pretty far. So that would further cement it if they just trade for Kareem.
1: What about the Eagles trading a second round pick for Roquan Smith?
2: Ooh. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't
1: be mad at that. Yeah. Or the Vikings trading a fourth round pick to get a sixth rounder and Greedy Williams.
2: Yeah, they could, they could use a corner. They're, they're kind of, to me, they, they need some help in that position.
1: So the, the trade for the Bills and Kareem would be the Bills would trade a third rounder and a fifth rounder for Kareem. I could I could see that. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that value-wise, that's pretty, pretty spot on.
2: And I would think if it was the Eagles, since it's in the opposite conference, it wouldn't be demanded as much. So you would think maybe like a fourth and a sixth.
1: Right. Uh, the Giants trading for Mike Gesicki, a second rounder.
2: Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't hurt to get a tight end, but yeah. why? But I, the Dolphins—they're four and three. Why would you need to trade away one of your pieces? Mm. You just got Tua back. I mean, it—it it didn't look the greatest, but that's—he's been that one would, of the
1: most brought up names in terms of trade talks
2: for Chiseki? Yeah, that's interesting.
1: I've seen his name pop up a lot in trade conversation.
2: But to me, I mean, when you have Tua under center, you're yeah. four and zero, oh, so. I don't know why you would want to do that.
1: Could you see the Cowboys signing Odell?
2: Oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't don't put that don't put that bad stuff on me.
1: Don't you put that juju on me, Ricky Bobby? I'm about the Titans going to get Brandon Cooks.
2: Oh. That's tough though since that would be an AFC South trade. It would be. That's a lot that's a lot more difficult to see.
1: Yeah, uh that that's definitely not something that uh and then this one, this last one probably interests me the most. The Packers and the Broncos. The Packers would trade Amari Rodgers and a s- second-round pick mm-hmm. for a sixth-round pick and Jerry get, Judy. I was going
2: to say, go get Jerry Judy. I think get. I think getting him out of there.
1: Would Jerry Judy automatically become his number one target? Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's like, who else he going to?
1: Christian Watson.
2: Like wide receiver wise,
1: Romeo Dobbs.
2: Mm. I mean, but I'm, so, I'm just listing off who they I have. I was gonna say you just listed off two rookies that Aaron Rodgers has been
1: pissed off with since um, he got drafted. No, I mean the only guys that they had in their locker room that were good, they they let walk. I was gonna say, I mean, you had Mark you had Sammy Wa-
2: Sammy Watkins is washed. You had MVS Randall Cobb. Walk. Randall Cobb's not all that good, and not anymore. He's injured. So it's like I mean, who else you got? I think yeah, you want to get Jerry Judy. He would be their number one very you easily. You had you
1: had Marquez Valdez Scantling, and you let him walk. And now look what he's doing.
2: Oh, Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard. Yeah. Him, him and Alan Lazard. Though, they would split touches. Here's the thing, though. Neither of them are like absolute superstars, burn, right? Superstars, but also neither of them. Oh, are, like are downfield abs- burners, absolute yeah. burners. That's the thing. Yeah. But hey, getting another talented receiver wouldn't hurt.
1: No, I I agree. A couple, I,
2: a couple of receiver or a couple of players for the Saints that I would say go ahead and trade or that I think have a very good chance of being traded. One is Marcus Davenport. He's going to be a free agent after this year. Yep. I mean, to me, since since you put all that in there, it's been his, pretty underwhelming.
1: What's his value? What would you get for him?
2: God, I'd hope a third.
1: A third? That's what I was thinking.
2: I would hope. I would hope if you get a second, amazing. But I, no one's gonna trade a first. Right. Like let's let's be honest. It you're gonna take a either way, but you might as well get something in return.
1: The other name you've thrown around, I could see getting a second or maybe even a first four.
2: Deontay Hardy. Yeah. I don't think somebody would throw a first at a predominant punt returner. To
1: not get an elite punt returner, you wouldn't throw a first if you especially if you had a couple of them. No. Interesting.
2: I wouldn't throw a first out there. Interesting. Your your first rounders are for franchise pieces. It's just a luxury to have the bonus of a really good returner. Hmm. So throwing a first at it, I mean yeah you would take that all day, but if you're the one receiving Deontay, you would throw a a third or fourth. Especially since so many teams have been losing coaches, so they are giving them uh, extra extra compensatory picks, so they would just throw those extra ones out there.
1: What's Sean Payton's value?
2: It depends. Uh, if Sean waits two years, I mean, to me, the value goes down because that's one less year of him being right. in that same contract. But if it's this year, I think it commands a high dollar. And if that is the case, then you just – you people would be paying that high value like a first-rounder. So yeah. then the Saints could be back in the first round depending on what team they get it Do from.
1: Do you think it would only be one first-rounder?
2: Knowing the Saints and how it almost feels like they always get gypped in every trade where they always have to give up too much. I think, it, I, it think like,
1: I think he's worth two.
2: I mean, I think so too. But to me, but we always think that, and then it comes down to it and It's like, oh, well, this other team had leverage because... Right.
1: I could really see, like, a first and a third.
2: See, it, and I would be totally fine Which with that I, because I, I now be okay you would have, that. like, at that point if you get rid of, like, Davenport and or Deontay. Right. You're now you'd, up now you'd have three, and then I think you lost, like, a coach or two, so I think they're supposed to get another compensatory somewhere. So it's like you'd have a lot of mid-round picks, and that's yep. where the Saints are successful.
1: No doubt. No doubt. The Karen Crow Cultural District is hosting the Crow Fest, the downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival, this Saturday from 6 to 8. Families are invited to enjoy a safe trick-or-treating along St. Peter Street, which will be closed to vehicle traffic during the event. There will also be games, a haunted house, a petting zoo, a costume contest for kids, and a pumpkin carving contest. Take a time out. When we return, we'll talk some more NFL as well as the Cajuns and the Tigers here on The Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers.
0: Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, The Game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake
1: Charles, wherever you go. So, we talked yesterday about Jimbo Fisher and the problems in Aggieland. Well, 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 did they get worse? Jimbo Fisher has announced that he has indefinitely suspended three freshman offensive linemen from the team after they were found. This is according to, to a tweet. Um, apparently, allegedly. They were found smoking marijuana in the locker room before the game against South Carolina over the weekend. Well, well, well. How quickly can some oil moguls put $90 million together, huh? James, do you think he gets fired at the end of this season? Uh, that's tough. I mean, we've talked
2: about it. We talked about ad nauseum yesterday. I mean, that's here's, such a big buyout.
1: It is, it is,
2: and it's so far down the line.
1: But here's the thing, and, and you heard Blake Topmeyer mention it in in Jordy's show earlier. If anybody is going to do it, it is Texas A and M. They are on that short list of schools that can just shell out the money. Here's the thing. You walked into the season ranked number ten, number six in the country. You opened up, you beat Sam Houston. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. And then you lost to App. And I respect the hell out of App, but App's not very good this year. So that was a bad loss. And you turn around, you get right back on track by beating Miami and Arkansas, both top fifteen teams. Doing good for yourself. You know, three and one, undefeated in the conference, rocking and rolling. Everything's good in Aggie Land. You can get beat by three scores by Mississippi State. Now, again, not knocking Mississippi State, but you know they're just they're they're middle of the road with a powerful quarterback. And then you had Alabama on the ropes and couldn't get the job done. That's bad too. And then what happens on Saturday? You lost to South Carolina. Now you can sit there, oh well, you know, South Carolina's five and two. You know, whoopty whoopty da de da. Who have they played? Who have they played? They played Georgia State. Oof. Got creamed by Arkansas. Got creamed by Georgia. And then you you ready for this four game win streak that they've gone on, James? You ready for this? Charlotte. Nice. South Carolina State. Ooh. You beat Kentucky. Solid. Good win. That's that's a solid that's win. That's a good win. That was legitimate. You beat AM.
2: Nice.
1: You haven't really played anybody. Like the Kentucky win, like like kudos. You 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 got the job done.
2: I still say you got the job done against A and M, so it's like you you got two solid okay wins the last couple of weeks. But like you you've done what you
1: needed to do. South Carolina's not world beaters. No, they're not. And their schedule—they've got Missouri next. <laughs> they got Vandy after that. And then you go to Florida. Florida's probably. I was going to say. Care I feel South like that's. Carolina. I feel like that's
2: where the the streak
1: ends. <laughs> and then, so Shane Beamer, you know, congrats on getting to seven and three. But you're going to take your lumps the last two weeks when you play Tennessee, and then you finish the year at Clemson.
2: Hey, but that middle of the season, though. Right. Hey,
1: kudos, bro. That six-game winning streak right there in the middle, that was killer. good for you. That was killer. Good for you. But now here's a hard dose of reality. You're going to lose the last three games of the year and finish 7-5. Woo-hoo! Go Gamecocks! Oh, buddy. Jimbo Fisher needs to be fired they are bad and players smoking weed in the locker room just makes me believe just leads me to believe that they are just as dysfunctional as they sound it is bad
2: could you could you see Jimbo going going back to bama oh <laughs> Could you see that? Oof. no. Be like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, N- Nick. Like,
1: no, no, I couldn't. I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs> no, I could not. I could not see Jimbo Fisher swallowing his pride that much. Could I see him swallowing his pride to where he maybe issues an apology to Nick Saban? Not that I don't. Not that I think he needs to apologize to Saban, but sure. Working under him? Nah. Nope. Jimbo Fisher would go be an analyst at Georgia before he went to Alabama. He goes work
2: for the scout team. <laughs> go work
1: for Kirby. Go be the go be the running back's assistant analyst. Oh, buddy. Take a timeout, wrap up hour number one after this, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
2: Welcome back to Curt's We've got just a couple minutes left in the first hour. We were talking about a little bit earlier before we took that timeout. It was about how we were doing with our predictions so far on the NFL I I had talked about it I had said that I had forgot I made quite a few changes there were still some that were pretty consistent like I had the Eagles 14 and 3 and it making it to the Super Bowl I don't know where you're at Matt but I ended up having actually the Packers at 9 and 8 as opposed to your 12 and 5
1: well considering my picks didn't save I can't have this conversation okay so I could just I'll uh, just talk about mine yeah Okay,
2: cool. Well,
1: well it, uh, you said you had the Eagles at fourteen and three. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. Um, hell, from what I've seen from them so far, they might stretch it to fifteen at two. I mean that is that is a machine that they have put together in Philly. That is scary. Um. But I remember I remember when I had the Saints at, yeah, and I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, And
2: same thing with the Buccaneers for me is I had them at 10 and seven right now. They're not looking too hot either, but it's interesting because they play on Thursday night and this is a little early, but it's never too early to get your bets in and you should start week seven of the NFL season off week eight of the NFL season off right. With a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. I'll take the Ravens' money line, the over on Lamar Jackson's rushing yards, and then in any time Mike Evans touchdown to make up for his huge drop last week against the Panthers. You can build your own or choose from one of our popular same-game parlays pre built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can combine bets from the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account, but if you're already with FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three-plus-leg minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non drawable free bet that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet, $5. Restrictions apply to terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP.
1: As it stands right now, the only team from the NFC South making the playoffs is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yikes. You know what's crazy? The Bengals wouldn't even make the playoffs to the season ended today. That's gnarly to think about.
2: Yeah, but we, we knew the AFC was going to be tough.
1: Whoo, man. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, Apollo Dez joins us for To the Moon and more of your phone calls right here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Top of the hour sports update right after this.
0: You're clocked out. We're You're locked in. Locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, we're having a good time. We're just having a grand old time here on Crunch Time. Hour number two here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Ladies and gentlemen, public service announcement. James Mesh hates me. Just absolutely can't stand to be around me. That's why he sits in his hole. <laughs> You're a different breed. Ah, uh, You're something special. They they pronounce that built different.
2: You, you got built different-itis? Yeah, built different-itis.
1: It's a, it's a disease. Yeah. It really is. It's, okay. a, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> let's start our number two. Talking about the New Orleans Saints, and we're, we're going to continue our conversation. There's a statistic that's being thrown around that, that might surprise some people. Before we get to that, though, let's go to the hotline, 337-706-0111. T, long time no talk, man. What's going on?
7: I know, man. Uh, Just been a little busy and stuff. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing fantastic, man. What you got?
7: Great. Uh, Speaking of, uh, you know, you're talking about him going to Georgia. Would you think there's any chance that Brian Kelly would hire him if he got fired? Ooh. He has a lot of connections in Louisiana, man.
1: He does. He does. I mean, maybe. I, I, the 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 question the question in that would be, would Jimbo return to Baton Rouge? I
7: mean, if the money's right, I don't see why he wouldn't.
1: I mean, I I agree. Um, that that that's interesting. I know I never I never put that together. That could be interesting.
7: All righty. and. Uh, i tell you what, I know we're underdogs against Alabama, but I think we're going to give them a fair fight. You?
1: I think if you play like you've played the last couple of weeks, I, personally, T, I think you win the game.
7: Oh, I agree. I agree.
1: Alabama's Alabama's been slipping their way past a lot of teams this year. They only beat Texas by one. You, I mean, A&M had to not score a touchdown on the final possession of that game to win. You lost to Tennessee. I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's no reason why LSU can't beat them.
7: Hey, look, I'm not bashing on Jack Besh at all, but we can't spot them 14 points either.
1: Right. No, I agree.
7: You know? So, hey, look, enjoy your show, man.
1: Appreciate you, T. All right, James, are you ready for a Saints statistic that might surprise you?
7: Oh,
2: I love Saints statistics.
1: The, NFL, the Saints lead the NFL. With eight pass plays of forty or more yards. The defense. You wanna take it a step further than that.
2: Where you you're you're saying the offense has gotten Correct. Eight, eight forty plus yarders? Right.
1: Okay. That lead which leads the league. Yeah. When you include runs as well, the Saints once again lead the NFL with a total of eleven plays of forty or more yards. The next closest is Kansas City with eight. Okay. Okay then big big playability oh, big playability now let's get to the stats about the defense well, let, let's have let's have this fun shall I, we
2: I was going to say you got you, you big playability, but weird how they're not very high in scoring offense right
1: <laughs> right. the Saints are dead last in the league in points allowed love that 28.6 points per game, 200 points total. They are number 28 in touchdowns allowed. They give up three touchdowns a game, James. 21 so far this season. However, third down defense? Third down defense is fourth best in the league. Yup. They get off the field on third down.
2: But that's the thing is, are they able to get to... Teams don't get
1: to third down very often. (laughs) That's the problem. Oh, bud.
2: They're so good at giving up first and second down.
1: Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Oh, Oh, buckaroo. How likely is it in your mind that over the next ten games the Saints maybe only win half of them?
2: So they go seven and ten?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's realistic. In your head, what is the
2: Max What
1: what is the worst how do I word this? What is the yeah, worst I'm how you word this that the record can be that Dennis Allen still saves his job? Or do you just one hundred percent don't think the Saints are gonna fire him?
2: I think the only way that you I think the only way that you fire Dennis Allen is if he if there's like some sort of scandal where it pops up where it's like you just got to get rid of him, but if you're talking about football record wise, I think you if he only wins two so, more games, so
1: if they go five and twelve,
2: I think he would still save it. I think he'd still hold on to it, but he's on a very short leash, and he could be one of those coaches that you see take an early exit if the Saints start off slow once again and go like one and three, or like zero oh and four.
1: I can't believe we're even having this conversation. How the mighty have fallen, huh? It's crazy what one offseason could do to you. I mean, I remember when I was a kid when, I mean, the Saints were bad. I remember going 3-13 the year before you, you signed Drew Brees. I remember, you know, how happy everybody was when we drafted Reggie Bush and, you know, all this stuff. But I don't remember that. <laughs> Man. We went through a we went through a streak there where even those seven and nine seasons, you were like, but it's the Saints. Like they're gonna bounce back. Like we have Drew Brees, we have Sean Payton, we're still good. It's
2: crazy how those two leave and it's everything seems so dysfunctional and Because it is. Seems so dysfunctional and it feels like there's no hope.
1: Once again. None. You know, and obviously, I'm going to watch because you know, been a Saints fan my entire life. Of course. Sunday morning, when I sit down on my couch to turn on the Saints game, you know what my words are going to be? Ugh, here we go. Here goes three hours I'll never get back. It's sad, man. I, I it's not even enjoyable to watch them play. That's why. That's
2: why I know I was spoiled because I didn't start watching till the tail end of that Super Bowl.
1: It's not even enjoyable to watch them play anymore. It's really not, and that's sad because again those those three straight years where you went seven and nine and missed the playoffs, they were still so much fun to watch
2: because you were in constant shootouts. This not, team is not, not fun. It's not like you were losing 13 to 10 games. You were losing in big shootout games where you see a right. bunch of points. This team so it's is, like you feel like you have the opportunity to win.
1: This team is frustrating. Because not many teams have beaten you this year. You're giving games away. That's the part that's so discouraging. You go back the last two, Arizona didn't beat you. Because you can't, you can't really blame the refs,
2: especially no. for the recent losses. You just, no. you've been playing bad. The, the
1: refs have actually been pretty. There's really not, nothing not to gonna say. I'm not going to say they've been good, but they really haven't nothing been, been to complain about. Right? They haven't been horrible the last couple of weeks. You look, you look at the Arizona game. They didn't beat you. You handed them that game. You look at Cincinnati. They didn't beat you. Who was the game before that? I'm drawing a blank. I can't even remember. It was Seattle, where you won. Seattle, yeah, okay. You so obviously, you know, you beat them, but like, and, and then they, the week before that, it was the Vikings. You gave it to them. You gave it to them too. So three of your five losses this year, we haven't, and we didn't even get to the other two.
2: You didn't even get to the Panthers, where well, it was like you just
1: Carolina just beat you. you were just they awful. beat you.
2: That was they 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 whooped you. And then the Tampa game week two.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could really look at that one either way. That was when the back injury was fresh right. for Jameis and we didn't
2: know how that was gonna end up going.
1: Um but no, I mean three of your five losses, you gave them the game. We we should really be talking about the Saints being five and two right now. Four and four and three, maybe. So I mean, I don't know. There's there's a lot there there's there's a lot to look at with with the Saints, right? I, there's just it's it's frustrating because again, you you talk about you talk about Jameis Winston and how how much hope you had for him going into the year. And it's just like I have no hope that the Saints can win on Sunday.
2: To me, I I think they have a good chance. I really do. Because if you've watched the trajectory of how it's gone, whereas before early in the season, where you were like you're just you're just playing absolutely terrible, at least. With these last couple of games, you were leading and you had an opportunity to seal the game or get a game winning drive. Right. The problem is you you're still having these turnovers. It was originally the fumbles that were killing you at the most inopportune times, or just when you were getting to a good scoring position and you see a marking or fumble. Right or you see Alvin Kamara at the very beginning of a drive a fumble and he gets scooped up and scored for a touchdown. Now it's now it's just boneheaded interceptions, and you could you could always say well Jameis would just do the same thing. And at that point, to me, you have to look at the ceiling. Who do you who do you trust more in a potential game winning situation? You trust Jameis or you trust Andy? Neither. To me, I. To me, is, there, is there a third option? I'd rather trust Jameis because Jameis' ceiling yeah. is a lot higher than, than Andy's. Andy has a, has a higher floor. Especially, especially now. That's what I'm saying. And you've given Jameis a few weeks to rest up and get healthier. I think with these extra 10 days as well and him not having to play against Arizona, I think that is, that is a big tail sign of how the rest of the season will go is based on Sunday and who will start.
1: Yeah, that's... Because
2: if you see Jameis start, and he actually plays well, whether they win or lose, you'll feel like you have some hope left. Because then you'll actually have the extra day off, you'll have eight days instead of seven, to play on Monday Night Football against the Ravens.
1: Yep. That's true.
2: And And if you win, you'll feel even better, because Jameis hopefully played well, and you got the win.
1: If the Saints can pull out a win on Sunday, be three and five. And then depending on what what Tampa does. On Thursday. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, Tampa loses and you win. I mean, you're tied for first place.
2: Yeah. And if Atlanta loses, yep. you're tied.
1: I mean, there's, oh man. There, there's so much that can still happen. But again, it's just so frustrating to watch this team throw games away. It really is. If you want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda Forever, all you got to do is text the word PANTHER to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing of Black Panther Wakanda Forever at Celebrity Theaters in Hard on November the 10th. Once again, text PANTHER to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda Forever brought to you by the game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. Before we take a break, let's go to the hotline. Frank, what's up?
8: Uh, not a lot. How you are, boy?
1: Doing well, man. Doing well. What you got?
8: Uh, well, first off, I want to see more excitement out of Allen. Uh, I got to see more excitement. I want to see him get pissed off. Agreed. I, I want to see him get angry. When your team makes a bonehead mistake, everybody's looking at the head coach.
3: Agreed. Okay.
8: Uh, at best, I-, I think it was two or three weeks ago, Nobody's beaten the Saints. Uh, the only the only team the Saints lost to is Atlanta. That that's it in my mind. That's the only team they lost to because Atlanta was dog walking them all throughout the game, and miraculously they came back and and won the game. Uh, no other team that I've watched has beaten the Saints. The Saints beat themselves. Um, but as far as the Allen, I need more excitement out of you. I I need to know that. Man, you're the head coach. I want to see you get angry. I want to see you yell at players. Okay? You, you're not doing your job. You have to do your job. This is what you're getting paid millions of dollars to do. Me and yep. my buddy were talking about it yesterday at work. If you want to pay me $3 million to fumble, Cat, I will fumble all game long if you want to pay me that much money. You're right. Um, as, as far as for the defense goes, how much more pressure do you want to put on your defense? What what more do you want from them? You, you're missing pieces, especially key pieces like Lattimore, uh, and, and they're keeping you in the game. What, what else do you want? Um, I, I do think, uh, uh, I think his name is Carmichael, uh, Carmichael. The play caller. Man, mix it up. When Taysom Hill comes in the game, he's not a running back. Let him throw the ball. The boy has an arm.
1: Yeah, I know I I agree. I I really do. Um and and I love what you said about the defense, you know, putting too much pressure on the defense. Because but I mean the, it, it's true. You know the but the,
8: the, the thing is, you, know, you you okay, if if the Saints score 50 points and the other team scores 51 because you keep giving the ball away, they still won, whether it's a point or not. Right. So uh, I, some, some changes need to be made. And, look, it, I, I said this years ago, I'm not one for going after a head coach because a head coach is not going to be on the field playing the plays for the players. They're supposed to be smarter and put players in the right position. But, wow, uh, I, I need to see some more fire from Dennis Allen. I, I need to see some boot stomping like Nick Saban losing. You know, I, I need to see that.
1: Agreed. Agreed 100%. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate the call, man. We'll take a timeout. When we return, you'll hear from Cajun's head coach, Michael as He met with the media yesterday ahead of their Thursday night matchup with Southern Miss right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Tune in every weekday at 8 15 a.m. and 3 15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back, Crunch Time, 23 after the hour here on a Tuesday. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, Michael Desermo met with the media yesterday after their win over Arkansas State, preparing for their big game with Southern Miss this weekend. And Coach Des had a lot to touch on with the history of the matchup between the Cajuns and the Golden Eagles. The emotions behind this game and just how you prep for the, the short week. Here's the head coach's opening statement.
9: You know, short week turnaround. Uh, we are, we're already rolling, like I said, today today's Wednesday in our world, so a um, little bit of a sped up process and Games like this are, are great opportunities. Uh, you get to go on the road uh, this week. You get to play on national television. Uh, and then you add to it, you know, the fact that it is Southern Miss, the fact that it is an old rivalry. Um, and it's a team that's playing good right now. You know, they're, they're finding a way to win football games and, and they're going out there and playing team football. So um, a lot of good opportunity in this. Uh, and I think, you know, when you play games like this, it comes down to discipline. Um, you know, throughout the week, it's the discipline that it takes you have to get all the game planning done you have to get all the preparation done regardless of how much time you actually have it has to get done so your schedule changes you have to have the discipline to adjust and adapt to it and get it done
1: now this game you you look at it from a you know big picture it's a primetime matchup it is a thursday night game in the Sun Belt west southern miss has announced that they are canceling all classes on thursday and you know statistic here the Cajuns haven't beaten Southern Miss in 29 years it's been since 1993 last time the Cajuns beat Southern Miss uh, Michael Desermo talked about the emotions behind this divisional primetime matchup
9: you can't make it more than it is you know the last few weeks we've kind of had some of those things you know it's every opportunity to play the game special all right These guys work year round. You know, from January when they get back on campus, it is full tilt, full go. And you're only guaranteed 12 opportunities as a team. That's a unique sport. You can't make it more than what it is. It's the most important game of the year for us, certainly, because it's the next one. Um, It's a Western Division game. um, And it's the one that's coming up in a couple days here. But if you make it more than that, then you start getting into emotional mistakes that those, those hurt you emotion wears off when you get into the game okay you know you start out and you feel a certain type of way and once the ball's kicked and it's turned over and you have a couple of possessions then the momentum in the game starts to take over and you start to feel that so you know for us it's always about the things that we need to do to win to win a football game that's very important to us for us to do what we want to do we have to win this football game our kids know that
1: continuing that thought Michael Desermo continued on with talking about not letting the game be more than what it is.
9: Um, so I think if you try to make it more than that, then you start getting into pressure, you start getting into panic, you start getting into press and trying to do things that you know, maybe are out of your control that you can't handle, uh, things that maybe are bigger than just your job. And at the end of the day, You need to go 11 for 11. You need to do your one eleventh, And if we do that consistently for four quarters, we feel like we have a good chance to win every football game we play. So, you know, I think it's cool that they're doing those things. But for us, it's just got to be another – it's got to be the next game that we have to prepare to do the things we need to do, getting up to that point, and then you just let the preparation take over.
1: Speaking of preparation, Michael Desermo spoke about how his team is prepping for the short week.
9: Uh, For the players, it's the same thing. They've got to go through their whole preparation process in a sped up, uh, at a sped up rate. And then when you get to the game, it absolutely comes down to discipline. Uh, You know, you don't have as much time to really get the nuances of what the other team is doing. So these are the games that are really about you. And it's really about your team and your rules and putting them to the test. Uh, It's always about this, but certainly in a short week against a team like this, that's a good football team, You got to go out there and play disciplined football. Uh, You you can't turn the ball over. You got to play complimentary football. Um, You got to make good decisions, and you have to go out there and do things that'll give your team a chance to win. You can't go out there and do things that that really give the game away. So uh, this week, that's kind of what we're talking about is the discipline that it takes to turn around these weeks and go out there and go have success. And uh, our guys have gotten off to a good start yesterday. You know, you got (coughs) to excuse me. You got to turn the game around. From the week before, and then you got to move forward to the next one. So, a little bit of a challenge in that, but our kids handle it really well, um, and you know we're we're off to a good start. And you know today we'll keep it rolling.
1: The Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns will travel to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, to play Southern Miss Thursday night once again in a Sun Belt West divisional matchup. Kickoff for that game is set for six thirty p.m. The Cajuns looking to make it three straight wins and a five and three record so far in 2022. On the other side, go a little bit further to the West on I-10. Gary Goff and the McNeese Cowboys sitting at 1-5 after a close loss to Nichols, 1-6, excuse me, after a close loss over Nichols over the weekend. Uh, Gary Goff gave his thoughts on the game. No? No Gary Goff? No, Gary Golf. That's fine. Um, so again, you know, looking at McNeese, looking at the Cajuns, they're they're all you know just trying to to figure it out. But you know, with, with the Cowboys sitting at one and six under a first year head coach, they're gonna have to figure things out sooner rather than later. But uh, here here is Gary Golf with his thoughts on the game.
10: Well, I mean, I'll, I'll have to watch the film. You know. Um... You know, we we won. You know, three of our team goals. You know, we won the um, turnover battle, even though we had a crucial turnover. The difference was we gave up points on the turnover, but we won the turnover battle. Uh, we won the th- the our red zone. We were three for three in the red zone, and um, we won the third down battle. You know, but um, ultimately, you know, the turnovers, the the pick six hurt you. Obviously, um, not being able to get um, a fourth and one when, when um, you, know, you you've got a upperclassmen over the line that you're running behind, um, not being able to, you know, prevent an explosive play when you are in the best coverage you can possibly call for that play. Um, you know, we, we just didn't make the plays. And uh, quite frankly, I, I, don't, I don't know if we traveled very well. And uh, we, we, didn't, um, we didn't do what was required maybe off the field this week. And um, it showed up in the game. And in order for us to have change, we've we got to change off the field and on the field. Otherwise, we're going to keep getting these same results, and uh, you know, so we, we, we got to make sure as as a program that um, we're going to do everything right, uh, on and off the field, and uh, that that's that's when we'll start seeing some change in, in these results.
1: He also gave some thoughts on his running back Deontay McMahon, and the final minutes of the game against Nichols Saturday night, that resulted in a twenty to fifteen loss against the Colonels.
10: He had a great game. He had a great game. I, I still think, uh, you know, we, we came out um, and, you know, played di- – didn't didn't start fast. You know, we, we started the game off slow. Um, then we had a great second quarter and really thought we had all the momentum. Uh, started fast in the third quarter. Um, and then it was just crucial turnover right there that really gave them momentum. It was a game of momentum. I mean, um, and, and they ended with momentum. But uh, I, I liked our chances right there at the end uh, when it's, you know, 40-35. And uh, we got the ball on the – 24 yard line, or, or really about 25 yard line, and they, they said that we we didn't get to the 24. Um, You'll know, Have to watch film and see that, um, but you, you know if you can't get a yard right there, then you know you don't deserve to win.
1: I had said 15 to 10. I don't. I'm not quite sure where I got those numbers from. That was a 40 to 35 loss for the Cowboys. But again, one and six on the year, and they desperately need a win. They'll play Southeastern Louisiana at home in the hole this Saturday again against the Lions, who were 4-3 and three so far on the season. We'll take a timeout when we return. Apollo Des joins us for To the Moon. We've got a lot of Houston Astros to talk about as they prepare for the World Series starting this Friday. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Fly me to the moon. That's driven deep
1: to left center, field.
0: and Mesh are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is to the moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh.
1: Dez, what's going on, bud? How are you? I'm doing good, brother man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So question number one, and and it's really the question that the world of baseball should be asking, is who's your daddy?
4: <laughs> it's uh. It's great, right? I mean, to go into the Bronx and uh, silence all the, the we want Houston and, and all those chances, uh, it's always fun.
1: The Astros 7-0 and so far in the postseason, headed into the World Series with the Phillies. But, you know, you touched on the Bronx just a second ago. Aaron Judge's contract in pinstripes is up. Does he return, or where do you see him going?
4: It, it's going to be hard for the Yankees to let a uh, – uh, a guy that hit 62 home runs and being the same breath as Barry Bonds in a regular season to to walk in this free agency and uh, look, Aaron Judge bent on himself and, and it paid off tremendously. And could he end up back on the West Coast? I, I think the Bears are today The Giants wouldn't be outbid for Aaron Judge, so um, he's going to make a ton of money. It's going to be really uh, kind of kind of crazy the Yankees do it. because if you think about, it, they're paying staying for you know like four or five more years. They have the cold contract. Uh, if they were to extend Judge, uh, that's a, that's a lot of money in three players. Obviously, they're the New York Yankees, but that, that's still a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I, I could see him going back to the West Coast, and, man, if he ends up with the Giants, that makes things very interesting in that NL West division. Um, Martín Maldonado, we talked about him at the beginning of the postseason being kind of a character. Uh, he started off the ALDS with pink hair. He started off the ALCS with blue hair. Uh, what what color hair does he show up with Friday night at Minute
4: Oh, uh, I think it's gonna be orange, right? It's got to be. Um, I, I think it's it's Maldi being Maldi, but it's an opportunity for him to you know show off the flair a little bit.
1: You know, we we've talked about this kid a lot over the last couple of weeks, but I mean ALCS MVP. How do you not talk about him? Jeremy Pena has just been absolutely killing it. Uh, you, you almost asked the question, who's Carlos Correa and why does he matter?
4: Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, Jeremy Pena has been able to exceed expectations and then shine in October. It's, it, it's tough already to come up as a rookie and be the shortstop of the Houston Astros, but now add the ghost of Carlos Correa roaming the halls throughout the entire year, and the kids just shined. Uh, obviously, a finalist for the Gold Gold Glove, going to be a finalist for the Rookie of the Year. Uh, but I think he he traded both of those for the ALCS and and the World Series title in his first year. So uh, I can't speak you know more highly than this guy. I mean, he he's come in and just executed, and, and the offense hasn't missed a beat. He's been uh, just a staple in the two hole, and uh, if you talk to anyone, it's uh, we're, we're pretty dang, pretty dang proud of the kid.
1: Altuve slowly making his way out of the slump that he's in. He got two hits in Game Four the other night. You know, do do you expect him to just kind of come alive in the World Series?
4: Yeah, I, I expect Altuve and Yordan, who had a, a down ALCS, and even Tucker uh, to to step up here. Uh, the, the Phillies bring obviously the, the Wheeler Nola one two, but we kind of saw the Wheeler. High fastball slider down with Cole, right? So it's not a new thing. So hopefully the guys get more dialed this time around. Uh, but if if the other pieces in the lineup continue what they're what they've done, and then you add the three bats of, of Altuve, Tucker, and, and Yordan, uh, it's, it's, it's getting kind of scary.
1: Over under five boombas hitting Crawford Street over the next couple of weeks. Or over oh, the next week, man,
4: I'm gonna smash the over. I think it's gonna. I think the offense is gonna show out. Look, pitching pitching, and defense wins championships. Offense wins games. But if this offense just erupts for one and a half weeks, um, which it's more than capable of doing, it, it gets fun because the pitching so far up to this point has been tremendous. The bullpen has just been nails. Uh, games are shortened. All you need is your starter to really get to the sixth inning. Uh, and then you have guys like Luis Garcia and, and Jose Aquiti who weren't even used in the ALCS. Guys that have combined... You know, 20, 24, 25 wins between the two. Um, that's it's bananas, but uh, it's it's this perfect storm of, of of great pitching. But if that offense comes alive, which I think it will, uh, it's going to be fun here in Houston.
1: Chat with Apollo Dez here on To the Moon. You know, t- looking at Justin Verlander, he's you know, looking at a at a contract extension at the end of this season, he had a rough game one of the ALDS, had a great game one of the ALCS. You know, what are your expectations Friday night when he takes them out for game one of the World Series?
4: Yeah, I said on the podcast with uh Lalima and it's just baseball is poetic and it always finds its way and the the elephant in the room is Justin Rowland hasn't won a World Series game. That's that's the thing he's, he's never been able to do, which is crazy to say with his Hall of Fame career, the Cy Youngs with the MVP. Uh, but I just feel like this team and the, and the way this kind of season's kind of unfolded would just be really poetic if Verlander gets it on Friday night and, and potentially if it, it you know, extends into the Game 5, Game 6 area, he gets a second one. And, and I think he's, he's shown that he has the stuff. He had a great bounce-back start against the Yankees. Uh, obviously, the Phillies probably have a little bit deeper lineup uh, than just Aaron Judge and the other guys, but um, I'm expecting Verlander to to finally get that that World Series win he's been he's been chasing down. What do you think the Phillies
2: bring in this World Series matchup overall? Man, they can hit the heck
4: out of a the baseball. Uh, there's 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 no way around that. We've seen it with Harper, uh, Real Vito, Hoskins, uh, Schwarber's always kind of had our number, so that. They're scary, and, and, and the fact that those guys can change a game. But uh, the way our pitching is is kind of built, I think it was different than what the Cardinals brought to the table or the Braves. The Braves were kind of beat up. And then the Padres. Um, I think we're a little deeper. We're getting a different looks. And I think this week off is actually going to help the Astros with the Phillies being uh, hopefully cooling off a bit. I'd be calling all three of my timeouts to try to ice the kicker this week. Uh, but as a, as a lineup, as a whole – uh, you have to respect those guys. Obviously, they won the pennant. Uh, they got in as the last team in and have and run the table. So you have to respect that. But at the end of the day, good pitching beats good hitting. And um, I, I'm hoping that that kind of keeps going on for the for next week or two.
2: Now, it's hard to talk about the Phillies and not talk about somebody that played in the area. And Aaron Nola, I mean, with him being a force on the mound, how do you think the was going to attack him?
4: Yeah, I think it's, it's getting him out of his groove. I think there's a, uh, uh, we saw it with the Padres, they extended some at bats and, and, and drew some walks and kind of got him in trouble like that. So uh, when he's on, he's on. Uh, obviously, you guys, you guys know quite well how good he is and, and capable of being, he's a, you know, Bayou, Bayou bangle. But um, I, I just, I think that's a guy that you can, you can really work counts. And, and this team, this asset team right now, has it, shown it over the last two series. Like, they're not going to give you easy outs in the sense of you know three pitch strikeouts. They're going to really maximize each at bat. They're going to grind at bats out and, and really make the manager make a decision of like, hey, am I going to leave my starter in the fifth inning, or am I going to pull him and go to the pen? And that's what the Astros do so well and have done well over the last seven years is they grind at bats in October. They just they actually just turn a, a switch on. It feels like where they just have really good extended at bats or they, they get it to the next guy. And this, and this team in itself, I think it's, it's special because you could have argued that Alex Bregman or Chas McCormick could have been the ALCS MVP, right, over Jeremy Pena, and, and they were ecstatic for him. And there's not a, a lot of me guys. I think it's one of the most complete teams we've ever seen in the history of sports.
1: Now, looking at the Phillies, Des, do, do they remind you of the Braves and Nationals of the last two years?
4: You know, it's it's easy low hanging fruit to kind of make the comparison with the NL East, right? And I, I'm I'm a I'm a little superstitious a bit, so I'm gonna give respect to the NL East, but I don't I don't think it's like that at all. I I, I myself I I was a little bit worried with the Braves and a little bit worried about the Nationals just because of the, how hot the pitching was, and it kind of flip flop. The Astros pitching is really really hot, where the offense is you know we will go hang you know four or five runs, but it's. It's not four or five runs in an inning. It's, it's over nine. Uh, and the Phillies kind of remind me of like the 19 Astros where like, hey, we're, we got some boppers, we're going to hang a number, uh, and hopefully it attacks the good pitching. So I think it's kind of flip-flopped, actually. I think the Astros are more in that vein this year with how, how well the pitching is and that bullpen that just seems to be criminally underrated with Abreu Montero and Naris and Presley. Um, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's kind of flip-flopped, actually, in my mind.
1: What are what are your keys to the Astros winning the World Series?
4: Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, this. The theme is pitching. I, I think up to this point we really haven't given you know, up a lot of walks. Uh, obviously, all the strikeouts. Like the, uh, I don't expect the Phillies to strike out seventy times like the New York Yankees did. Uh, I, I expect some some better uh, deeper counts and and some guys are going to be put in some weird spots. But I think it's just that. And if Jose Altibe and, and Jordan, who actually I think both had some really good at-bats late in that series against the Yankees, uh, add to what Bregman's been doing and what, you know, Chas has been doing and Penny's been doing. Uh, this team can take care of business. And I, I, we're fortunate to hang around these guys and get to know these guys. I've never seen a, a team this dialed in this late in the season. Uh, these guys, it's just different. It's really, really different down here. And uh, obviously pennants are cool, but parades are cooler.
1: And lastly, give me your prediction for the series. Do the Astros win, and in how many games?
4: Yeah, uh, when I say I said Astros in five uh, against the Yankees, I'm going to stay with the theme. I'm going to go Astros in five. Uh, we're going to be popping champagne, uh, doing the rocky, doing the rocky run to Philadelphia.
1: I love that. I love that. Apollo Des of Apollo Hou joining us for to the moon. Des, appreciate you as always, and hopefully, you know, next Tuesday we will be previewing the Astros wrapping up the World Series.
4: Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Go Astros.
0: Tune in next week for another edition of To the Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work.
10: Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss Take
0: this. that, Something productivity in the, the workplace. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Guys, it's time for me to tell you about one of my favorite places in Acadiana, and it is Suit Up. Got fashion tuxedos, suits for all occasions, wedding party specials. They even sponsored us for Tuxedo Tuesday. Professional service. They're going to have sportswear for you, Southern Marsh, Coastal Cotton, all the way down to just some simple dress socks. They're running a deal right now, two suits for $350. Go to suit up. There's three locations, one in Lafayette on Ambassador Caffrey, one in New Iberia, and one now open in Lake Charles across from the Prion Lake Mall. Go tell them the Crunch Time sent you. They're going to hook you up with, like I said, professional, great service. You're going to get fitted every time you go in to make sure that everything still fits the way that it needs to. And again, whether it's a tuxedo, a suit for a wedding, whatever you need, they have it for you. Once again, Lafayette, New Iberia, and now open in Lake Charles across from the mall. Go to Suit Up and tell them that Miguez and Mesh sent you, and they remind you to get dressed up for homecoming at Suit Up. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 55 after the hour here on this Tuesday, 1037 Lafayette, 1041, Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You know, last night we, we, yesterday we talked about Monday Night Football, and earlier today we we recapped it a little bit. You know, looking ahead to to next week's Monday Night Football game, or even later this week, you look at Thursday Night Football. James, when are primetime games gonna get? I don't, I don't know what, what's the word I want to use. Enjoyable, good. I mean, this weekend may not be bad with the Ravens and the Bucks on Thursday night. That one might not be bad. Might be, might not be the worst. Um, but then you know, you go look at the Sunday night game. You are looking at the Packers and the Bills. Ugh.
2: Should be a slaughtering
1: blowout. City, the Bengals and the Browns.
2: That one should be interesting. That I one could like be that. interesting.
1: That one could be interesting. Um, but I mean, like you know, y- you got spoiled with the Chiefs and Chargers. When are we? When are we gonna get that again?
2: Yeah, but the question is, how often do we get that? Well,
1: right. That's what I'm saying. Like, when are you going to get that again? Because, you know, let's look ahead to next Thursday. Oh, this man loves looking to the future. The Eagles and the Texans. Did you watch a lot of that? So Raven as a kid? Did. Actually. I can tell.
2: <laughs> you like looking into the future.
1: The Eagles and the Ravens. That's a good one. and Texans. Eagles and Texans. I'm sorry. Oh. No, that's a, that's a bludgeoning is what that is. Um... But hey, on the seventh, Eagles, Saints, yeah. Saints and Ravens.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll have to see how this this next game goes before we we get excited.
1: Yikes! Big yikes! Oh man! All right, that's gonna do it for today's edition of Crunch Time. Want to shout out Suit Up one more time for sponsoring Tuxedo Tuesdays, presented by Suit Up want to thank Apollo Dez for joining us. Appreciate everyone who called in. Great conversation today about the NFL, LSU, and the Cajuns, as well as the Houston Astros. Tomorrow, how about a stacked show? Cajuns Corner with Jay Walker at 4.30. We're going to do a preview of Southern Miss with David Eckert at 5.00. Who that Wednesday at 5.30 with our guy Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. So make sure you don't miss tomorrow's edition of Crunch Time right here on The Game. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. Same time tomorrow, same station. This is The Game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Zach Gelb Show and CBS Sports Radio is next.